This is the Point of Drew Podcast. Point of Drew. Yes, we are officially back and better than ever. It's your boy Barton, and I got Zon with me, rocking as always. And we got a big episode ahead. Um, had to come back in style. We got seven guests coming on to help us break down the upcoming college football season. Week zero is behind us. Week one is ahead of us. So we're all we're all excited. Um, football is officially back, and uh, Z, we got a great crew coming on to break it down. Yeah, great crew coming on. A little seven, seven, uh, seven on seven <laughs> headed into this college football season. Uh, really excited to get episode ahead. And, uh, what I'm most excited about is just to be back on the mic. Been a little hiatus for Point of Drew, but uh, college football right around the corner now starting this week. We definitely had to uh, hit some people up and, uh, you know, hit the studio <laughs> and record. So uh, pumped to be back. Yeah, we'll be getting right to it. But as always, a word from our presenting sponsor, Shug's Bagel. Okay, Druthers, big news from our friends over at Shug's Bagels. Shug's After Hours is officially live. Yes, it's true. The Druther favorite, the mecca of bagels in the state of Texas, Shug's is opening a late night ghost kitchen concept that will operate on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. They'll be serving up all their traditional breakfast and lunch favorites, in addition to a few late night classics. We're talking pizza bagels, mod sticks, even mac and cheese bites. Woo! <laughs> not to mention a wide selection of bevies chock full of alcohol. This is not gonna be something any Druther will want to miss out on. Go pay him a visit, visit late night at their location in Park City's Village, just off of SMU campus. Shug's After Hours, open later than literally any other bagel shop in Texas. All right, well, let's dive into it. And, uh, you know, for our guest, our first guest here, we had to go straight to the defending champs, the team who is coming off of a uh, championship last year. That is the Georgia Bulldogs. In order to break it down, we had to get on recurring guest, Logan Bush. How you doing, Logan? What's up, guys? Glad to be here in the uh, in the new studio. Absolutely. You guys have me on. New studio, new setup, new season for Point of Drew, and uh, we're getting it started off right. So um, let's just dive into it, man. Talking about Georgia and, and what we're expecting this year. Uh, really kind of want to know what your take is on this number three preseason ranking. Do you think there's some disrespect in there? Um, I don't think there's any disrespect with the, with the number three ranking, um, you know, with what Bama has coming back, they have arguably the two, the two best players in the country um, and Bryce Young and Will Anderson. And uh, with what Ohio state brings back, the disrespect I think um, is just all the talk about last year was just did the defense, this Jamison Williams getting hurt that and not talking about how we finally got that Alabama monkey off our back. We all know what happened 2012, 2017, 2018, 2020, and then in the SEC championship game in 2021. I wish that there was more time. And then with all like the NIL talk and all the conference realignment, I think it's really clouded the, you know, just like how historical of a year that was and how big of a year that was for the Georgia faithful. Such a big season. Finally got over the hump. Kirby 
takes down Saban. It couldn't have gone better. It couldn't have. You guys swept the draft. I mean, one of the most impressive drafts in years for for a team um, coming off a national title. I mean, I guess LSU in 2019 has yeah, an argument. Yeah, there, but this time on, on, the, on the other side of the ball. Versus, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, so a little bit of cool defense. Absolutely. Well, um, who's a player? You got to let the Druthers in on someone who um, is is not well-known. You know, we're not we're not talking about Stetson Bennett. I think people know who he is at this point. Mm-hmm. But who's a guy that uh, the Druthers should, should keep an eye on this season? Um, so yeah, on the offensive side of the ball, um, a lot of a lot of talk is uh, is surrounding our tight end room, which rightfully so. We got Brock Bowers, Reed Gilbert, Darnell Washington, all guys that honestly will will be a first or second round draft pick uh, one day. Uh, but I'm going to go with the receiver, Ad Mitchell. He caught the um, he caught the go ahead touchdown pass after the fumble um, in the fourth quarter. Um, it was like a 45 yard touchdown pass. He was a true freshman last year. He had some drops along the way, but also had a lot of big plays, including that one. And um, Georgia's still looking for their first thousand-yard receiver since um, 2002, uh, and that was Terrence Edwards. Um, so um, I like Eddie Mitchell on the offensive side of the ball. And then uh, defensively, um, we've got a lot of guys um, ready to replace some big names. Um, I think the biggest one is um, is a guy who's a redshirt freshman, Small Munden. He's going to be a uh, he's going to be like filling in for Channing Tindall and uh, Nicobe Dean at inside linebacker. He's a former five star. Um, really looking forward to see what uh, what he can do on the defensive side. Yeah, so I mean, uh, Barton mentioned him a second ago, but talking about Stetson Bennett, um, obviously got it done last year. But uh, you know, do you think he's a little bit more of a lightweight? <laughs> you know, I, I don't, but I, but to be fair, I was one of those guys still calling for his head at halftime, but um, of the national championship game was screaming, put, put, uh, put JTN, but, you know, I mean, he did what David Green couldn't do. DJ Shockley couldn't do Matt Stafford, Aaron Murray, Jake Fromm. I mean, he did, he, he finally, he's the one who got us over the hump. Um, back to my point earlier about everybody just talking about the defense and this and that. Jordan Davis didn't drop back to pass on second and 19 and throw a 45 yard touchdown pass after a fu- after that controversial fumble call, which, you know, if you know anything about the Georgia Bama game in recent years, that fumble was like a microcosm of everything that ha- has happened in the last five meetings. And the fact that he came back, made play after play in the, you know, the last like 10, 12 minutes of that game. I mean, I don't know how we can call him a lightweight anymore. And Georgia fans still calling for his head. I think are losers. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's the man and definitely proved himself last season. But I think the question was more in reference to his good morning America appearance the day after <laughs> oh, yeah. the national title game. That guy looked like he had never had a beer in his life, man. He was wasted. I don't know. I think he just never slept. We've all been there. Uh, tossing back beer. Well, I guess we haven't uh, been celebrating a national championship in that way, but, um, yeah, but we all have yeah. been on good morning America yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. for various reasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad they took my episode down. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Logan, uh, kind of wrap things up. We need to hear from you straight. Obviously, coming off the national championship last year, I want to know what your, your realistic expectation for Georgia is this season and if they are going back to the playoffs. Um, I definitely see a world where we do. I'm going to lean no. Um, I do think we win the East and we're going to be right there in the mix. I 
don't know if we are going to be experienced enough to be able to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. But I do see us being uh, 11 and 1, 12 and 0 uh, going into that SEC title game. And then, you know, and then from there, it's a, it's a one game playoff from there. Um, to be honest with you, that's like a quarterfinal matchup. Um, it is in most years. Uh, so uh, do we have a chance to? Yes. Uh, but I do think we're going to be more of like a 2018, 2019 team um, where we're, you know, kind of in that top five to six mix the whole year. But, um, you know, at the end, sometimes experience wins out. And we had that experience last year and we just lost a lot of it. So um, I'm going to lean no, but I do think we have a chance to. Yeah, punch your ticket to Nola, baby. Sugar Bowl. Yes, yeah, that's that, that's really that, – as long as we make a New Year's Six Bowl, I'm fine. We'll Don't go. lose any we'll sort go. of momentum. That, I'm super down. It'll be a lot of fun. All right. Well, that'll do it. Thanks for coming on, as always, Logie. Uh, we're rooting for your dogs this year. Thanks, boys. Absolutely. Thanks for going on, bro. just previewed the defending champs the georgia bulldogs and uh they took down a a, a pretty storybook team in uh in, in the championship last year the alabama crimson tide and uh to break their season down their upcoming season we got my good friend and a uh, friend of the program really a druther through and through gil nuss what's going on gil hey guys as uh, as barton said yes true true druther and a uh, friend of the program um, happy to be on here and uh, ready to talk some shop. Definitely. We've been excited to talk some shop. And, uh, you know, Barton mentioned it, defending champion. We knew we had to get someone on to talk some Bama football. But uh, really kind of the, the news of the offseason for Bama that I wanted to start with is this Nick Saban extension going all the way through 2029. He'll be 79 years old at the end of this thing. Tell us your thoughts on this. Good move for Bama to, to you know, keep them around that long, or, or is that a little too much? No, I think it's a good move. I mean, you always got to have somebody in the godfather role, you know. Um, maybe we bring, bring back the lane train. I mean, I'm, I'm a big uh, advocate of Lane Kiffin. Maybe he comes in, calls some offense for us, and um, you never know what happens. But, yeah, the contract extension uh, – there's been a lot of buzz around it, and uh, we'll we'll see how it plays out in the in the coming years. Yeah, pretty pretty lengthy. But what, what I did like is they got him to the uh, the highest paid coach, Kirby. Kirby just edged him out, and then uh, even after a championship year, Bam was like, "No, we got to take care of our boy. Get him get him on top, number one again." So I think he he barely edged him out by less than a million a year annually. Nice, yeah, that, yeah, I mean, yeah. You got to expect Greg Byrne to to back up the Brinks truck on that one. Without question, man. So your boy, Bryce Young, coming off the Heisman. Um, what are the chances? And I want your honest opinion. What do you think? Does he go back to back? It's only been done once ever by Archie Griffin, the Ohio State running back in the 70s. Uh, do you think Bryce Young goes back to back, returns to the Heisman house? Does he have it in him? I think he's got it in him, man. You got to think he's got a sour taste in his mouth after uh... – after that Georgia game. And uh, even if it's not Bryce, man, don't be surprised if Jameer Gibbs is in, uh, in New York come, uh, come the end of the year. Wow. That's a call. I've, I've not heard that very often. I don't know what the odds are on Jameer Gibbs, but um, that would be Whatever they are, take them. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that kind of leads us into the question I wanted to hit on next. Like, give us someone from this Bama squad that you are most excited about 
um, watching this year, you know, put the Druthers on to someone right now. Who should we keep an eye out for? Well, coming in at five foot, 10 inches, 171 pounds. We got Kobe Prentice, who's going to be, uh, I think, objectively the biggest sleeper on the offense. Uh, we got a lot of hype on him. He is the first freshman to start in his first Alabama game since Julio Jet Jones. So uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good name to follow and uh, someone to keep an eye on as, as the season uh, comes closer. What uh what number is Prentice? We'll keep an eye out. He's a uh, ten. Ten. Right Mute on. that. I don't know if he's ten or zero. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> we'll, we'll find him out there. I'm sure you're credible, man. You're the biggest Bama guy I know. Uh, all right, yeah. well, um, I want your prediction. I have a feeling you um you we know what the outcome is going to be in this in this week two tilt in uh your hometown of Austin, Texas. Your your Bama Crimson Tide uh-huh. are coming to visit the Longhorns. We know what the outcome is going to be, um, but how bad does it get? That's what we want to know. How bad does uh, – did they really lay it on Sark? Well, it's going to be personal, man. And from a lot of the conversations I've been having at D-Betty Cabaret, a lot of the things that I've been hearing from a lot of Longhorns, uh, like I said, it's personal. We're going to have to take it down to them. I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at 40-plus hanging on them. Um <laughs> But, hey, who's to say at this point? Yeah, could, could be 40, could be 50. It, it'll be a blowout. But, uh, you know, let's hear your, your honest prediction for the season. And really, every single season, the expectation for Bama is championship or bust, pretty much. I mean, that is the goal. And, and you guys are right there every year. But what is the, uh, you know, realistic prediction you have for Bama going into the season? You're on record here, Gil. I mean, it's got to be 12 and out, man. I mean, the, the, you got to think we don't really have that many challenging away games. We have at Texas, which is going to be a breeze. Another one that everyone's talking about is AM, and that's in Bryant Denny. I mean, you got to think that this is a revenge tour, right? So, yeah, I'll, I'll put my mark down on 12 and 0. SEC championship against Georgia would be a lot of fun. And then uh, who knows after that? I wouldn't worry too much about Texas or Texas A&M. We all know who the best team in Texas is. And uh, that's up in Dallas. The Hilltop, ever heard of it? The SMU Mustangs. We'll see Bama. Maybe we'll take a home and home with them if they're, if they're really down. Hey, you can never say no to a check like that. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. All right, Gail. Well, that, that wraps it up for us. Uh, I think you'll definitely be back on at some point, but um, you know, thanks for the program, man. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. It was a pleasure and uh, roll tide boys. Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, we hit Georgia, we hit Bama, and to round out the SEC, we got to do it. We got to take a trip down south to the Bayou. I've got my family, my own blood here to break down the upcoming LSU Tiger season. We got Michael and Christopher Haynes. What's going on, boys? How's it going, Andrew? Yeah, it's going well. Yeah, we're pumped to have you guys on, talk a little LSU football and uh, yeah, Martin mentioned here, we already talked about a couple other SEC teams. So uh, let's dive right into it with LSU. And I think the question we're all wondering right now, 
who's actually going to be the starter in week one and, and who do you guys think should be the starter um, this coming weekend? I'll let you guys each take a stab at that question. What do you think? I'll let Chris start off. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, Jaden Daniels is going to be the starter week one. He's who I picked as a starter since the spring. He has the experience. You look at the numbers, they weren't great from last year. So you go back, you look at the actual film. Looks a lot better than the numbers. You look at the film from his freshman year, back when he had Brandon Ayuk. He had some good players there. He's about to have the best receiving core he's ever seen. So uh, I think it's going to be Jaden Daniels. His running ability in that Denbrock offense just brings a little something special that Nuss doesn't have. Yeah, I would have to agree. I think it's Jaden Daniels as well. I also think another thing about Jaden Daniels is our lack of experience at O-line. I think he'll help us separate, you know, make some plays with his feet, give us some time, extend some plays, especially early in the season. So, um, yeah, I'd have to say Jaden Daniels is going to win this battle. Jaden Daniels, we'll, we'll see. I hope I, I hope he's the starter come Sunday, Sunday night uh, in New Orleans against Florida State week one. Uh, I know what we're all excited about, and, and that's just Miles Brennan is, is no longer an option, which uh, I think we're all a little bit relieved. Nuss and uh, Daniels both far superior. Yeah, I think uh, Miles entered college about six years ago when Christopher started, and then <laughs> and it finished after I left, and I'm two years younger than him. So. <laughs> He had, uh, he, had, he had run his course at LSU, I think, and a tough way to go, but um, that's just how this is how the cookie crumbled this time around. But uh, next question for you guys, we'll keep moving here. Um, LSU, as always, and, and hopefully you guys go a different direction on this one, but got, got a packed SEC schedule, got a fun non-conference game in week one against Florida State. What game do each of you have circled this year as like a real big game that you're looking forward to? I actually have Tennessee. I think that's a huge game. Tennessee, I feel like it's going to be pretty good this year. They have a lot of momentum coming off of last year at Tennant Hooker. I think that'll just be a good true test of Brian Kelly's coaching ability, how far he's come. On paper, LSU has more talent. Tennessee, though, is hot. They have a new coach, looked pretty good last year on offense. So I think that Tennessee game is one, you know, they're not a typical opponent also. So right. I feel like um, they're on the other side, they're in the east. So I feel like that's, that's a big game that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm going to go a little different here. Um, I think Mississippi State is probably one of the bigger ones. I'm not really sold on our defensive backs. I mean, we have four fresh corners coming to LSU this year. Uh, two safeties are returning, so that'll give a little continuity, I guess. But, um, yeah, I'm interested to see. That'll be the first team we play who really airs it out, and I'm interested to see our defensive backs react to that. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, there, there's some people out the door now replacing them with fresh faces, and that kind of leads into a fresh face as the, the new head coach here. Um, and so we've got Brian Kelly coming in, and, and he's, you know, BK has a little bit of swagger to him. So uh, can you guys name off the top of your head any coach in all of D1 with more swag than Brian Kelly? <laughs> I know I can. <laughs> No, but what do you think about uh, Brian Kelly coming in and how do you think he'll be, uh, you know, able to kind of shape this LSU team and, and hopefully turn around from uh, the last couple of years? Yeah, I think he's exactly what LSU needed. After the Orgeron era of all the highs and all the lows, um, just no consistency, didn't know how to run a program. Um, you know, we if you look back at LSU's 20 
20 recruiting class, which was a year after we won the national championship. Um, it was like a top three class. I believe we have now, after this week, had 15 guys from that class either transfer out or, or like fourth on the depth chart. And like, just not, I mean, Coach O just couldn't capitalize. I think Brian Kelly brings discipline. He brings a um, consistency back to LSU that, yeah, we may not have loved less miles for it, but I sure as hell loved winning eight to nine games every year and not having to worry about it. So I think at the very least you get that out of Brian Kelly. You know, you're you're not going to go six and six. Um, so that that's my biggest thing with Brian Kelly. I, I don't know. He should win a Cincinnati. Coach O did. Les Miles did. But at the very least, we're not going to be an embarrassment week in and week out. Yeah. Yeah, Brian Kelly, I thought was a really good hire. Uh, very surprising. I think he's getting a lot of unwarranted backlash for his <laughs> old Southern accent bullshit. But uh, I think it'll be a great fit. I mean, fit's a weird word. If you win, you're going to fit in Louisiana, and that's pretty much plain and simple. So that's, yeah. That's true. I think, yeah, if he, if he can become a winner, then he'll, he'll fit in Louisiana, no doubt, in, in, in Baton Rouge. And so, uh, cool. BK, I'm excited for it, too. Um, it's been a long time coming since we've had a, a competent head coach at the helm. So I think it, it should only bode well for the Tigers. Um, but we'll close things out here, boys. Uh, let's hear a record prediction from each of you um, before we jump. I'm going to start with I'm, – I'm thinking we're going to go eight and four. Um, my toss-up game is Tennessee. I think we could possibly get to nine wins with beating Tennessee. It is at home. Um, but I'm just not – I'm not sure yet. But, yeah, nine and three or eight and four is my prediction right now. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Um, I think eight and four, you, you can't expect – I mean, if you watched LSU play against Kansas State in the bowl game this past year with 31 scholarship players and, like, 48 players on the team total – you, you can't be expecting him to, to turn that around into a 10-win national championship type year. It's not going to happen. I think eight and four is good. Maybe win a bowl game, get to nine and four. If you could go nine and three and win a bowl game, go to 10 and three. That's what the 2018 roster did. They didn't really add anyone new to the 2019 team from there. They just took that momentum from that 10 and three Fiesta Bowl year and they took it to a natty. So I think right now, LSU fans, we just want consistency. We want to beat the teams we should beat. You know, and I'm fine with eight and four, nine and three, but trending in the right direction, starting to get some continuity on the team and turn those wheels back to, to where we were. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a really good answer. And I think that's actually uh, pretty realistic for what we should expect out of LSU this year. Um, and I think that's probably the direction that the program really needs to head in to, to get back to that point of consistency and contention. So definitely think eight and four is doable. Nine and three can happen. So I like that prediction there. The beginning of a new era, the BK era, man. Exactly. Let's hope. Let's hope the uh, the wins come and the TikToks keep coming as well, man. Oh that's, man, uh, that's been fun to watch. Hey, if they land us five stars, I'm okay with it. Hey, we'll take it. All right, boys. Well, thank you so much for coming on. That was some great insight. Um, and go Tigers. Yeah, go Tigers. So we wrapped it with the SEC schools. Now we got to switch directions and go to a school that's a soon-to-be member of the SEC, the Oklahoma Sooners. And uh, 
who we brought on to unpack the, their their expectations this season is none other than uh, Spinny Eats. Spinny Brewster, baby. Spinny Sauces. What's good? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm excited. Football's around the corner. I hope everyone's getting their fantasy drafts ready and uh, ready to dive into college football on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm excited for the season to start. And, and you know, I, I can tell you're ready and, and ready to see this OU uh, team and see what they have to offer this year. But, you know, we got to start off and let's just cut to the chase. We know they're obviously getting upset at some point in the season <laughs> by a team who's much worse than them. Who's that yeah. team going to be this year? Yeah, man. Um, I'm not going to say you're wrong. It happens every year. Um, I've got a couple question marks on the schedule. I think the obvious one is Texas. Um, a lot of talent all over the field. Question there is, is their quarterback going to be as legit as everyone thinks he is? Reality of the situation. The guys played two snaps at Ohio State. Um, hasn't really played in a huge rivalry game like this. So that'll be um, obviously a huge question mark. And it'll be Venables' is first red river rivalry as a head coach um he's coached in it before as a coordinator but hasn't actually managed the game yet outside of that um i think kansas state is a is a sleepy team yep. that has upset oklahoma in the past um and then iowa state is another one of those sneaky teams that could come in there and beat them i don't think oklahoma loses to baylor and i don't think oklahoma loses to oklahoma state again they play both of them at home Kansas State and Iowa State worry me because they're both on the road and they're in October and that's when teams kind of, you know, are viable to like in the face a little bit if they don't come prepared. So Texas, Iowa State, K-State, I would say are the true like shocking upsets. Texas, I wouldn't really say is that shocking, but Iowa State, Kansas State would be a bit shocking. Impossible. Yep. So Brew. Are you are you a Brett Venables guy? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm all in on him. Um, I think it's a good hire, like you said. Like we're going to the SEC, right? And as great as Lincoln was, it obviously wasn't working. Um, we would go to the playoff and get smoked by not only Clemson at Brent uh, with Brent Venables, but also you know Georgia and Alabama. That wasn't even close either. Um, and so moving into the SEC we need a little bit more of that like psychotic energy. And he really brings that to the table. Like he is a true um, grit um, entirely, like just focused on energy. And I don't know if you've seen any videos or clips of him, but it's pretty clear in um, all the training camp videos that I've seen that he's really, really into it. And he cares a lot. So I think bringing that energy and, um, moving that into the sec and it's also shown like in his recruiting um we're not just getting wide receivers and quarterbacks and running backs anymore uh they're focusing now on like d-line and o-line and linebackers right like focusing on not just like seven on seven players but also getting those dudes that are going to get gritty up front um and so yeah i mean i'm pretty bullish on venables and i'm excited about it going on record as a Brent Venables guy, is a ballsy move, I'll say, because by association, that makes you a Dabo Swinney guy, and that's not a boat I want to be in, my man. <laughs> Honestly, dude, I, I, I think Dabo is a great coach, and I think that anybody who thinks that he's going to go to Bama when Saban leaves is an idiot. I think he's built a great thing at Clemson. I think they're there to stay. I think Clemson will be back this year, too. 
Man, really defending Davo, but okay. <laughs> was a good coach. No, but, all right, back to OU. So, so you mentioned, um, you know, they're actually starting to put a lot of focus on some of the positions outside of, you know, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, some of those flashy positions. Um, yeah. So, you know, kind of interested to know who's a, a player you're kind of sneaky excited about and possibly someone outside of those kind of main positions who you think is kind of flying under the radar right now. Yeah, uh, I would start by the tight end, Braden Willis. Um, he's a 6'4". What number? Number nine. Number nine. Uh, right. He was oh. nine last year. He might have changed it. He could be like 81 or something. I don't know. Um, have to double check on that. But he is someone oh, yeah. who came in clutch in a few different opportunities last year. Um, if utilized correctly, he's got enough talent to uh, turn some heads out there. I think he could be someone to watch. Right on. And All right. Defense side of the ball I'll just name one guy he's, he's going to be um, a true freshman but I think he's going to get some time in the uh, Mike linebacker position his name's Jaron Kanak he was the one person that uh, Dabo took I suppose from Clemson's recruiting class with him um, he's a stud linebacker I think he's from Kansas uh, yep he will uh, sense. He, he will turn some heads I think he's a he's a really good player Right on. All right, Brew, we're, we're running low on time, so I got two questions for you left. The sure. first is a yes or no answer. I only want a yes or no. And the second, I want you to be as descriptive as possible. Does that work for you? Yeah, I got you. All right. Does this Oklahoma Sooners team in Brent Venable's first season reach the playoff? One word. This really hurts. I'm going like to say yes. Okay, that was a lot more. Yes, though, got you. Yes. Um, and then the second question is, what'd you have for dinner tonight? <laughs> uh, I've got the remnants over there. I had P.F. Chang's. Oh, God, come on. You got Let's orange, get your details. Orange chicken, uh, white rice, uh, two veggie spring rolls, and like six cups of chili sauce. <laughs> a lot of chili sauce. It was great. Relatively mild for uh for you, but yeah. hey. Well, dude, you guys should know by now. You should know by now that my weekday regimen is like kind of cleaner on the cleaner side. Yep. Yeah. Friday so, night. So you uh, ask, ask me. Ask me again on Sunday and Monday. I have a different answer for you. All right, Brew. We gotta go. Uh, tell the Druthers where they can find you. Tell the what? Tell the <laughs> tell the Druthers, our audience, where they can find you. Pl throw some plugs out there. Come on. Yeah, dude, you can find me on Spenny Sauces, baby. That's all. That's all I care about. The Twitter is classified. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. Smart move there. Uh, if right. anybody really wants to find my Twitter, text me. You got my <laughs> all right, Bruce. We appreciate you coming down or uh, coming on and breaking down uh, this OU team and what we can expect for them, but. Uh, that's going to do it for, for this segment uh, with Brewster and OU. So good talking with you, man. Thanks for coming on. Cheers. Boomer. All right. Wrapping up OU, we're going to transition to a team that uh, just kind of stole their coach, Lincoln Riley, um, the USC Trojans. And, uh, no one better to come on and, and, and talk Trojans football than my good friend, Joseph Perot Cooper. What's going on, Joey? How we doing? How we doing, fellas? 
Dude, we're honestly, we're running a little late now that you had all these technical difficulties, but uh, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll get, you, we'll get all the questions in. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. It's a bummer. You guys can't see me. I've got my, my Trojan pasties on. <laughs> well, to start things Our off loss. here, we, uh, you know, I wish we did have the video uh, working for that, but <laughs> to, to start things off here, uh, a follow-up question off of uh, Spencer Brewster's interview talking about Oklahoma. <laughs> He mentioned that undoubtedly OU would have a better record than USC this year. And we just wanted to give you a platform and chance to respond to that take. Well, I mean, I don't think I have to say it, but I'll say it anyway. Bruce is a delusional idiot, and we all know that. <laughs> and it's just – it's crazy to think OU is going to have a better record than SC this year. I mean, they lost their quarterback. They lost their coach. They lost basically every other positional coach besides Lincoln Riley. And their, uh, their recruiting class just took a hit as well. So it's like, you know, they lose a bunch of guys to the NFL. They come off a not-so-great season anyway. And then they lose all their best players. It's it's delusional to think that they're going to have a better record. <laughs> not to mention, I mean, say what you want about the Pac-12. Obviously, USC is a Big Ten team. We all know that. But the Pac-12 is a pretty weak schedule. So I, what, what is Brewster saying? SC's going to go like 7-5? Seven and, seven and five? Did he say something stupid like that? Uh, around was, that was yeah 75 i think you said seven wins yeah yeah classic <laughs> i mean it's like good lord yeah i mean i don't know i mean ou's probably gonna be less than nine wins that wouldn't shock me at all i mean they're not gonna beat baylor texas will be interesting to see what happens there i'm excited to go uh check out them versus uh bama see how they're uh, putting it together in sark second year see how quinn ewers does see how they're they had a good recruiting class so it's mm -hmm. interesting to see how texas does but I don't know. I don't think OU has the – I don't think OU is going to be very competitive this year, truthfully. I mean, Dylan Gabriel's a good quarterback. I get it transferred in. But besides him, who else do they have? I mean, can you name Can you name anyone on OU besides him? Yeah, uh, not really. Let's 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 steer things back to the uh, the Big yeah, 12, as you said, not the, uh, the Big 12. Let's focus on your team, USC. Joe, you, I know you know this roster well. you got to give us a player – or the Druthers, for that matter, a player that you're, you're sneaky excited about, someone that maybe not everyone knows what's going to ball out this season. Yeah, this uh, he probably won't be a big star earlier in the year, but later in the year, once he kind of gets his feet wet a little bit, guy named Relique Brown, wearing number 14, running back. He was committed to OU, suck at Brewster, and uh, flipped and went to SC. But he's electric, uh, super fast, super quick, super twitchy, a lot of comps comparing him to like Darren Sproles, Reggie Bush kind of has that, you know, short guy quickness and uh, good hands out of the backfield. So that's one to keep an eye on. But again, he's a freshman. He's the third string running back going into the season, but he's going to play a lot of that kind of like slot role, uh, third down role early on. And then probably a lot of special teams as well. But later in the year, you know, look for the kind of like sneaky package plays where they get him on uh you know, wheel routes going outside. They get him on the jet sweeps, and they get they get a little creative with him. Just get the ball in his hands. What number is he? Fourteen. All right, keep an eye out for him. Nice. Well, uh, moving on. Tell tell us about a game you have circled this year and uh, and why. Uh, the big one is actually this is going to sound weird, but the big one is the second week against Stanford <clears throat> because Stanford always plays us tough. The, David Shaw is obviously a good coach. And uh, it'll just be a good testament to see kind of how the teams change from the last couple of years. Obviously, yes, he's been horrible for the last few years. And Stanford's kind of eating our, eating our lunch every year. 
and just play this incredibly tough despite not being very good to begin with. And so that's a big game just to set the tone for the whole season. It's obviously not their most headliner game. They're, they're playing Notre Dame. They play Utah. Those are going to be tough games. UCLA should be kind of tricky as well just because the rivalry. But I think the Stanford game is actually the big one because if they can get by Stanford, not just win it, but win it you know, convincingly, that'll be a great sign that they've kind of turned the culture over and that the uh, not only the offense is clicking, but that the defense can, you know, get physical, stop the run and play a good football game. Because that's ultimately, I mean, when they go to, when they play Utah, when they play Notre Dame, it's going to be about physicality. Mm-hmm. And so that Stanford game is going to be a real test as to, you know, what the team's got this year. It's a smart take. I mean, the, obviously the big ones, Notre Dame, Utah, in terms of ranked teams, the best teams are going to play on the schedule, but Stanford, it's like a, it's like a mental toughness game where in past years, Clay Helton era, they, they have not been able to beat them. They just haven't been polished enough. But this year, it's like you said, a culture change if they can get that done. Huge, huge. I mean, they, they opened the, the year against Rice, which is obviously a joke. Uh, so, I mean, that doesn't really, you know, you look at that, you hope they win. The, the spread's 35. So you hope they can cover that, right? But uh, I would take Rice and the points just to be safe. Um, but, you know, the, the real test, we're going to see what they're made of week two against Stanford. Yep. I'm, I'm sure Bruce are probably picked like Texas as his marking game. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, a real educated <laughs> guess there, huh? <laughs> All right, Joey. All right. We got to wrap things up here. Final question. And this is a week one, not really kind of a week one question, but really all season long. SC's got a lot of QBs that have entered the transfer portal. You got Slovis, Caden Slovis at Pitt. You got JT Daniels, joke, at West Virginia. (laughs) And you got Jackson Dart at Ole Miss. Um, Rank these three guys and how their seasons will progress this season. Uh, I mean, you got to go with Caleb Williams at SC, just given the, the weapons he's got. Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, Brendan Rice, Gary Bryant Jr., Terrell Bynum, <laughs> Taj Washington, Relief Brown, Travis Dye, Austin Jones. I mean, the list goes on. How much time do you got? Uh, but I think the, the guy who's actually going to have a really good year is Jackson Dart in Ole Miss. I, I, I loved him when he was at SC. I mean, he just fits the – he fits the look, right? Long blonde sure. hair, hookah shell necklace, name's Jackson Dart, but he spells it with an X. I mean, just a baller. We got to give you a uh, poster. Yeah, I've got a fat head in my room. <laughs> Him in some board shorts. Um, if only but, we had this video working. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but no, I, I think he's actually going to have a really good year. Because I, I like Kiffin. I think Kiffin runs a good offense, obviously quarterback friendly. Um, and then they've got good weapons around him as well. The, the big, I kind of, sleeper transfer, I think should have a great year uh, from SC, but left SC is uh, – Michael Trigg, the tight end, he went to Ole Miss as well. Phenomenal tight end, super athletic, big dude, uh, can catch the ball, you know, really well, gets downfield. And so he should have a great year uh, under Kiffin. So those two guys are, are – I would keep an eye on those two guys. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm excited for uh, for the year, man. It's been it's been a long wait for you in terms of uh, getting back to relevance, and this season's got to be a turning point, an exciting one for sure. Oh, God, I hope so. How crushing would it be if they just suck again? Oh, let's not go there, at least not today. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, Joey, we appreciate you coming down, coming on and breaking down 
Damn, I keep messing up all of these outros, but uh, we appreciate you coming on and breaking down uh, USC and what they've got in store for this this season. So any parting words on your uh, USC Trojans? No, no. Um, you know, wish them luck. But uh, thank you guys for letting me come down and break on uh, a little bit of news for you. <laughs> uh. All right, Joe, bro. Thanks for coming on, man. All right, all right thanks, guys. Day. Idiot. All right, truthers, we have Ohio native Joey Sievert here to break down the Ohio State Buckeyes upcoming season. He's also uh, an alma mater in Texas, so we might sprinkle in a few questions on the Longhorns. But what's up, Joey? How are we doing? Not much, you guys. Just pumped for uh, pumped for this week one slate. We got a lot of good games. Uh, got a lot of teams to talk about. Um, just ready to finally get back in the swing of things and see some football on Saturdays. It's been a, it's been a long off season. Definitely. It's been a long time. We've been waiting for it, but we're finally back. Um, and really we're going to talk about Ohio state mostly, but uh, how to get this UT question off first, obviously alma mater for you, but um, you know, before we get to Ohio state, you've obviously got a lot of ties to Austin. What are your expectations for uh, the Longhorns this year? What do you think is uh, really going to happen? Man, it's a mixed bag of emotions because, you know, you got the every offseason you got you want to drink the Texas Kool-Aid. You know, like everyone says, we're the we're the best team in July and August in the country. And I don't think there's ever been a year where that hasn't been true more so than this year. I mean, you got the Quinn Quinn Ewers arrival from Ohio State, you know, number one quarterback in his class, re-enrolled early, you know, went to Ohio State. Things didn't work out there with C.J. Stroud balling out. So transferred to texas so i mean at least personally that was no loss for me because you know uh ohio state or texas i'm happy with either but i think that uh i think he's getting a lot of hype and i'm very cautiously optimistic because um, i've gone to a couple open practices and he's had a lot of jaw-dropping throws you know both positive and negative they're but i mean man the kid the kid he's got a crazy good arm. I mean, he makes throws that I've, that I've not seen any quarterback make before with my own eyes. And then of course you got in my eyes, you know, the best, best player in the country, obviously. I, um, I think if he were on a better whole roster, I think he'd be the Heisman favorite right now. And B. John Robinson, yep. um, that guy is just crazy. I mean, he looks ready to play in the pros right now. I think he'd be a top 10 pick. Uh, then to the receivers, man, the skill positions are, it's going to be interesting because I was, um, you know, you got Xavier Worthy. He's, you know, a proven guy. Looked like a stud last year. Had made some really great plays. Really, you know, came alive in the Red River shootout against Oklahoma where he tore it up. I mean, I remember he took the took a bubble screen about 80 yards to the house on the first play of the game. And then, of course, you know, we blew a massive lead. But then you also had um, Isaiah Nayer transferred from Wyoming, and there was a lot of hype around him too. And then, of course, in our first scrimmage, he blew out his knee. So he's out for the year, which is a huge bummer. But, you know, we've got some guys behind him, but they also have some question marks, which is uh, just kind of the theme of Texas football right now is I think it's a big question mark. You got Ajayi Hall, who's had off the field issues. You know, he just got arrested and suspended definitely for taking the boot off his car that campus police placed on. So <laughs> who knows what's going on with that? Uh, then you got Jordan Whittington, who's also shown flashes. He's you know been really productive when he's playing, but he's also injured quite frequently. And then the O-line, you got a lot of inexperience, which is uh, frightening considering we got 
Will Anderson and Dallas Turner looking us in the eyes week two. Uh, you know, we're only returning two starters. We're starting a left tackle, which is scary. Granted, he's a five-star, but again, the inexperience is, is frightening. Our right guard also blew out his knee in that first scrimmage. So the offense, I think, skill positions are great, but can the offensive line, you know, hold Quinn up and can they create uh, lanes for Bijan to run through? And defensively, you know, we're, we're turning most of our defensive line. Um, the linebackers, we got DeMarvion Overshawn, Mr. 20 sweatbands returning. He should be fun to watch. Um, and then in the secondary, we got Ryan Watts, another transfer from Ohio State. And then we've got um, Anthony Cook, uh, another returning starter from the secondary, as well as Deshaun Jameson. So I think the defense should take a step forward. I, I like what Pete Kwiatkowski does with the, with the defense. You know, he's churned out a lot of good draft picks when he was at, during his tenure at Washington. Uh, Washington always had a great defense, so I have a lot of faith in him in the defense. But I think it's just really the – I think you'll find that the main point around the Big 12 is just it's wide open. There's a lot of question marks, and you don't know who's going who's gonna to be the eventual winner. But I think a good season for Texas right now would be uh, – eight and four, nine and three, you know, I think Bama, I think Bama's going to be a loss, but I think eight or nine wins is it's a good mark for Texas to shoot for right now. That's uh tempered expectations. Always. That's realistic. Yeah. Always a, a practical way to be. Um, but you're right about the big 12 being open. I mean, OU's really been that team with Lincoln Riley the last few years. They've kind of had a stranglehold on, on the big 12, um, but it is open this year, man. And, and Texas has got a lot of talent. Like you said, Xavier Worthy is a bad man. We know what B. John Robinson can do. And then, uh, you know, the upside on viewers, it's, it's breathtaking. So if Sar can get those boys playing, man, the, the, the sky's the limit for them. But um, let's switch gears, man. Let's go to Ohio State, the Buckeyes. Um, you know, this, this question, uh, doesn't have a ton necessarily to do with, with this season, but I do want to get your take. Um, Ohio state, their last five quarterbacks, let me read them to you. Braxton Miller, JT Barrett, Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, and currently CJ Stroud. I know you weren't prepared for this one and I can, I can repeat the list if you need it, but man, I need you to rank all five of those guys because all talented, you know, some, some guys careers didn't go as, as well as they could have. Um, and obviously CJ Stroud's career is almost just beginning at this point. So let's, let's hear your five. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, let's start backwards. So I think number five, I mean, I love the guy. He was, you know, I believe the only three-time captain at Ohio state and uh, it is JT Barrett. Um, I think he was, you know, probably out of the five guys that you just mentioned, I think his ceiling was the lowest, but I think his floor was the highest. You know, he was a consistent player. You always knew what you're going to get out of him. I don't know if he was quite, you know, I mean, obviously in the 2014, uh, 2015 season, when they did win the national title, he was the quarterback, but went down against Michigan. But I think that was a year that we were just loaded at skill positions again. And so I don't know if he was, you know, the kind of quarterback that was going to take you over the top, but he was a great player. So I'll put him at number five. And number four, um, rest in peace, but I think I'm going to go with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, he had another great season in his, uh, in his final season at Ohio State. I believe he threw for 50 touchdowns in the season where we uh, beat Washington in the Rose Bowl. But um, he was also just – his decision-making was iffy. And, I mean, let's be honest, the last decade Ohio State's been wide receiver university, and so there's always been a, a ton of talent in that room. And so I think they've always brought up the quarterbacks by a good amount. And number three, this may be controversial to some other Buckeye fans, but I think Braxton's number three. Um, I think there would be a fair amount of people that might put Braxton at five, but I just thought that while he was a, 
I don't think he was as good a thrower as Dwayne was. And I think he was about the same level as JT, maybe a little bit worse. I mean, his explosiveness was just second to none. I mean, the place he was, his playmaking ability was incredible. I mean, you'll still see that highlight against Virginia Tech opening weekend. Um, thrown back like on some cultural highlights every now and then, but just what he, what he brought athletically, you really couldn't compare with any of these five guys. And number two, just cause he's still early. I think CJ Stroud um, last year, I know he's the Heisman favorite right now, but last year there were some games where I didn't think he looked all that great. Um, he made some poor decisions. I remember that Michigan game in the last November. I mean, there were so many, I was watching my family. There were so many times it, would, it just looked like he just, if he would just step up or if, they were on some sort of reach option. If you just keep it, he could run for so many more first downs or gotten out of so many, so many bad situations. But I think that he's going to take a huge step forward this year. And then number one, I mean, Justin Fields, I think, uh, I think he was amazing at Ohio state. I mean, he brought us to a national title game, but we ran into the buzzsaw of the 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide or sorry, 2021. Um, they were the, probably you know, maybe next to Joe Burrow's LSU team, the best offense ever assembled. And so I don't think there was anything that, you know, we could do to stop that Alabama team. Uh, also didn't hurt that Justin got pretty banged up in that Clemson semifinal, but he, you know, stuck in there like a warrior. But I think that, I think he's a great Buckeye. I know he's only there for two years, not like some of the others uh, on lower on the list, but I think Fields is number one right now. But I think with this season upcoming and the weapons that CJ has at his disposal, he can make a strong case for number one. Yeah, definitely. So, so you have CJ Stroud right now on the, the Joey Sievert certified official list. Um, but CJ Stroud coming out week one against Notre Dame. Uh, what are your predictions, not just for CJ Stroud, but also just in this week one matchup? I mean, I think that this offense is going to be lethal. I mean, you got three Heisman contenders on the offense. Yeah, Travion Henderson at running back. I think he's probably the second best running back in the country behind Bijan. I think you got Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's arguably the best receiver in the country right now. I know Jordan Addison won the Bilitnikoff Award last year, but I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be a household name, if not already, by the end of this year. And then you got uh, also a dark horse sleeper that's going to have a breakout year for Ohio State is Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, you saw it in the Rose Bowl against Utah this past season when Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson didn't play because they were getting ready for the draft. But I think Marvin Harrison Jr. had about three touchdowns that game and him and Jackson Smith and Jigbo uh, willed us to win that game, had a late comeback. And I think the defense is what you're going to see the biggest change in with Ohio State this week one and in the season as a whole. Um, getting rid of Kerry Coombs as the D.C. last year, Ohio State ranked in total defense 38th last year. And we brought in Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State. And that, that guy knows how to put together a defense. I mean, Oak State had one of the best defenses in the country last year, coming in ninth in the country in total defense. So I think if Jim Knowles, you know, he's got one off season to get these guys ready. So week one, there might still be some question marks, uh, especially at linebacker. I think we we're really returning most of our talent up front and it's littered with five stars. You know, we got <clears throat> JT Tuamalu. I don't sorry. I probably just botched that last name, but he's a redshirt freshman defensive end. We got Zach Harrison, another former five-star edge rusher behind him. We got Jack Sawyer, another five-star edge rusher. So I think that D line is going to come in hungry and ready to attack Notre Dame's quarterback. Um, as far as the secondary goes, you know, we got Cam Brown and Denzel Burke returning at corner. So I think they'll do a good job of locking up Notre Dame uh, wide receivers. But the linebackers, you know, I think that there's some room for improvement. Watch out for a five-star freshman, C.J. Hicks, to make an impact on the team, maybe not week one. 
But if I were to give you a prediction, week one, I believe the Lions, you know, Ohio State favored by 17 points. I would mm. absolutely hammer Ohio State. You got them week wow. one in the shoe coming against Marcus Freeman. You know, Marcus Freeman's been talking that bullshit that the 17-point spreads bulletin board material. I don't think any coach should be talking like that. Um, I think that uh, I think Ohio State's going to come out ready to pounce and that this is a championship or bust year. So watch for the Buckeyes to to absolutely just dominate Notre Dame up and down the field. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm not I'm not a big Notre Dame guy. Marcus Freeman has been talking that shit. So uh, looking forward to seeing the Buckeyes put it on in week one. You got a busy first two weeks with with your teams, man. You got Ohio State, Notre Dame week one, and then back to back going with uh, Texas and Bama. So, um, man, enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's going to be a great year, but I appreciate you coming on, Joey. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, bro. We are back with our final guest of the episode, um, but maybe the best for last and, and quite possibly about to talk about the best college football team in the state of Texas. In order to break this down for us, had to bring in returning guest, William Ferris Moss. Moss, how's it going, man? What's good, boys? Glad to be back. The Druthers have been begging for a pod, so... You finally are giving them their wish with football season right around the corner. Back by popular demand. Uh, the Druthers, they needed it, and we're back. And uh, we had to bring you on uh, to answer a few questions about uh, an exciting team uh, coming into this college football, team, college football season, the SMU Mustangs. Um, Moss, you say it every year, and I got to ask. I mean, we're, we're excited about this SMU Ponies team. Are they the best team in Texas? Well, that's easy. Uh, yes, they are. Uh, th- this SMU team is actually very talented this year. They've got, when you look at college football, I think the biggest thing is returning talent at the quarterback position, which they have. And they've got a number of playmakers that I think are going to have off the charts here, starting with Rashi Rice. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. New coach this year, Rhett Lashley, is coming back to the program from the University of Miami. A uh, little bit of a tough schedule early on with TCU in Maryland, so they're going to have to prove it right out of the blocks. But uh, I do believe they'll, again, claim the throne as best team in Texas. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if that happens. But, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Rashid Rice, um, and, you know, you, you say a couple other players, they're going to have off-the-chart seasons. But really, t- tell us about the player you're most excited about heading into this season. So I think uh, there's two guys, one on offense, one on defense, that I'm excited about. On offense, uh, a guy named Jake Bailey. He's a senior transfer from Rice, and he led Rice his sophomore and junior years junior years in uh, receiving yards and receptions. And that's with an offense that was like, top, like I think, one-tenth his sophomore year and then 107 last year. So he's a guy that I think could have a breakout year. He played – football at St. John Bosco in, in California. I know Joey's going to be on the pod, so he'll love that, uh, which is like one of the best high school programs in the country. So he's, I think he could have a breakout year, a, a more of a veteran presence on offense. And then on defense, Elijah Chapman, nicknamed Baby Bison. He put up 44 reps at 225 Damn. in preseason. Uh, and he, he's like a run stopper in, in the middle. Should be a fun guy to watch. He's also a senior. He's uh, an Outland Trophy uh, preseason 
uh, watch list for best interior lineman in the country. So he could be a, a fun guy to watch also. Nice. Yeah. There's some good names you keep an eye on, but all right, Moss, give it to us real SMU playoff. So it's going to come down like it does every year uh, to the, the last couple of weeks of the, the, the season. SMU has been so bad in November these last couple of years. The one thing that's going good for SMU this year is that they play uh, Houston, Memphis and Cincinnati all at home. Uh, so the, the schedule is in their favor this year to be able to run the table. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I think since he's going to be down a little bit, but Houston's got a really good team this year. So that, I think that that game, I believe it's either, I think it's like November 5th is uh, I think the game of the season for SMU. It's also a, a really big year for SMU in terms of realignment, because after this year, uh, those teams I just mentioned are all leaving the AAC. So if SMU wants to show other conferences that they can p- compete with these other good schools, it's uh, crucial that they have a good year this year. Yeah, so what would you say is a realistic record expectation? So I think uh, I was looking at this earlier this week, and I think nine to ten wins is attainable. Uh, they they because the AAC is really a conference that's the haves and the have-nots. There are some teams that are going to be cakewalks. Uh, Navy's really bad this year. Uh, Tulane not great. Uh, so it's going to come down like the whole season is really backloaded with those good teams. So I think they could go into those three good games with seven wins. And then from there, uh, they could could end up with seven or eight wins or end up running the table. So, uh, I, I, they will definitely be in a bowl game though. Agree with all that. We know, we know our ponies are the best team in Texas. We never have trouble with Texas teams as TCU, um, they've been getting the work for years here, but we do have to prove it down the stretch against some of these conference foes like a Cincy and a Houston. So it might be the year. We'll see if we run the table playoff. That's an option, I think. Yeah. One X factor to also bring into the equation, Brian Massey, the return specialist. I like <laughs> if, if you can find it oh. over two and a half return touchdowns this season. Number zero. It's going to be unreal. It's like Devin Hester. We'll, we'll have to get our quant. We'll have to get our numbers guy on that. Um, yeah. But I'm sure we'll find a line on Massey. You I said? almost got into a fight with the uh, the guy behind the cage in Vegas who wouldn't give me the line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Moss. Well, we got to go, brother. But uh, Labor Day weekend coming up, man. What are your plans? I know you're getting into something. Yeah, so I'm out in Colorado right now. No big deal. And then I'm probably going to go down to the uh, the Jersey Shore probably go down to Atlantic city, see if they can get me some action on this Massey prop. <laughs> Man, I love it. That, uh, let me in on that. If, if you find it. Yeah. Uh, just send me a K. Definitely down to, to throw down on Massey. So uh, that's going to wrap it. SMU, you heard it here first, best team in, in Texas and possibly making the playoff this year. If, if things fall the right way. So Moss, we appreciate you hopping on, breaking it down and uh, giving us some insight into the stayings this year. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, boys, and looking forward to the uh, all the football podcasts to come this year. Absolutely. We will talk to you later. Thanks, Later, bro. big dog. Peace, boys. All right, that is going to wrap it. We are done. We went through it all. Several teams, several different personalities, people on the pod breaking it down. Barton, what are your thoughts? Hell of a college football preview, man. Uh, a lot of guests, a lot of good ones, uh, some not as good ones, but I mean, all very entertaining in their own way, all 
all had a certain level of uh, football knowledge about their respective teams. So um, all in all, great show. Glad we did it in this format. I'm glad we're back with the Truthers. And um, speaking of back, we'll be back next week with an NFL preview. So we're going to keep the content coming. Um, and yeah, that'll do it. Absolutely. Point of Drew. Thanks for tuning in. We will be back next week. Until then, we will uh, talk to you soon. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right, Drew, there's peace. <laughs> <laughs>